to be successful, you need to check your ego at the door when you're working with elected or appointed boards. I always say we rent space, we don't own it. We do not own these associations that we work for. We're very privileged and very fortunate to have this opportunity, but I see too many association execs coming in and feeling like, well, they know how to do it. So just stay in your lane, they'll say to the board, which of course boards hate hearing, and not paying attention to that relationship. is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Richard Yep. Interim Executive Director and CEO of the Solid Waste Association of North America, or SWANA. Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joanna. I'm happy to be here. Hey, Rich, tell us about SWANA and tell us about the conference where you're at right now. Sure. There are two major conferences that SWANA does each year. One is a leadership conference, and it's called WasteCon. And that's where we are today in Boston for that. The other thing is that People in solid waste and recycling and sustainability are professionals who are very involved with climate, with health and safety. They work in pretty much every community in in the country. And it's just been a really interesting experience for me in terms of learning all that this industry does for basically everyone. So, Rich, your interim executive director and CEO, how did that come about and how long are you going to be there? I have been in the position for about six months, and I have another month and a half to go. They were in the position where they were without a CEO and needed somebody to come in and look at the organization, see where we could increase efficiencies, mitigate risks, things like that. And, you know, I was very fortunate in that Vetted Solutions was running the the search for the interim, and I was asked to be included in the search. I was, and I was, like I said, very fortunate to be appointed their interim CEO. So Rich, before we get into the things that Swan is doing and what other associations are doing to thrive, let's talk about your journey. So you've been at Swana about six months. Before that, you were at the American Counseling Association for 28 years. Tell us about your journey as an association exec and as an association CEO. Sure. Well, most of us in the association management business will say we didn't think about it when we were young, that that's what we were going to do. We kind of fell into it. Right. And found that that's kind of where our passion lied. So, you know, I was working on the Hill in Capitol Hill, was really looking to be more focused on the issues that I was working on. At that time, it was around education and mental health. 
And the American Counseling Association had a position available in its government relations department, went to work for them, stayed for about six years, moved on to another association because I wanted to increase the skills that I needed as an association exec. And then I was really fortunate that I was asked to come back to ACA and I served as their number two. And then I served as their CEO for about 24 years. Wow. And then, Rich, you decided to retire. When and how does someone decide to retire? How do you know it's time? Well, you know, I think part of it is while I loved the routine of what I did at ACA, after you do it for 20 or 30 years, you start to realize that, well, maybe there's other stuff out there that I still could do. And I was at the position where I could decide to move on and try some different things, which is what I decided to do. And I wanted to see if what I learned all those years as an association exec at ACA could be applied in other settings, regardless of whether it was in the education and mental health space or not. And because I had done so much in the DE&I space, I wanted to see if I could do more with other organizations in that regard as well. So you weren't really planning on retiring, retiring as in sitting on the beach or playing golf. What you wanted to do is retire from ACA and do other things. Right, because I'm a lousy golfer, but I do love the beach. (laughs) However, it just was something where I wasn't really ready to not work. I was just ready to work in a much different setting with a much different sort of time frame, if you will, and a different perspective on things. Well, you didn't stay retired for very long, so tell us about the Swana gig. I took that first month off after I left ACA, and I really, I didn't do a whole lot. I just puttered around and just sort of chilled, which I think is really important for anyone after you've been in something for a really long time. And then I thought about, well, I could do some consulting. And people started calling uh, other association colleagues saying, whoa, I know you're involved in the DEI space. We have this project. Would you be interested in helping out? I'm like, sure, I'll give it a try. I also have always been interested in doing interim jobs because I wanted to see, like I said earlier, if I could apply what I have done all these years to other organizations. And I liked the idea of a beginning, a middle, and an end date, not where it was just going to go on in perpetuity. So I had that opportunity. And then also, I was really fortunate in that years ago, I, as a CEO, used Vetted Solutions to help with a search we were doing for a C-suite position. So I was always really impressed with them. And when Jim Zaniello, the president of the company, called me after I retired, he said, hey, would you like to maybe do some work with us? And so I was very fortunate that Jim offered me a position with the firm. So Rich, you're at Swana. You've been there six months. Are you finding that you're using the skills? How different is it to be in a completely different industry with a new staff? How do you get to know them fast, too, since you're there for a short period of time? Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle is understanding what our members do. You know, they do a lot of technical stuff as well as a lot of leadership development and management and things like that. And it's just getting used to what all the acronyms are, getting used to what the issues that are impacting the members are. So that's part of it. But I think what I brought to the table were skills of communication and listening and working to improve 
whatever the employee environment might be, as well as helping the leadership get to that next level to be a, you know, like we say, a truly exceptional board. So Rich, when you're an interim, are you basically caretaking until the next CEO comes in? Or are there things you're trying to get done to prep the landscape for the new CEO? That's a good question, Joanna. I think that there are some interim gigs where they're asking you to just make sure the trains continue to run on time, the mail's being picked up and all that other stuff. Right. In this case, it wasn't exactly that. It was more of come in, review what's going on, see what changes can be made, see what improvements can be produced, look at the structure of the staff and make sure the resources we have are being deployed in a way that'll help us reach the goals that we have in the strategic plan. Wow. Rich, you've had an opportunity to run several organizations, plus you've been very active within ASAE. You interact with many, many organizations you've consulted. What are some key things to thriving in today's landscape as an association? I think that one of the things, going back to the whole thing around listening and communications, you've got to figure out what context there is around whatever issue might be facing you. So the way I might have handled a board issue at ACA 20 years ago, I might bring that experience to the table, but I have to put whatever the current issue is into context. Where is that person coming from? Like, why are they being so happy? Or why are they being so angry? Or what is motivating them to be so far into the weeds? And I think that that's what helped me be successful all these years was really trying to get into the other person's head relative to where they were coming from and however they were reacting to something. Well, I know that you're doing a lot of listening at Swana. What are you hearing? What's going on? What's on their minds? Yeah, I, you know, I think that our members and our board are very committed to what's going on in climate change. They're also very interested in taking people who work for their organizations off the top 10 list of the most dangerous jobs in the United States. And you wouldn't even think of that you know, normally, but they are in the top 10 of people who get injured on the job. So what SWANA can do is develop programs and trainings and things like that, that can help managers as well as frontline workers to be safer. Hmm. So all of that is, I think, really kind of interesting and inspiring. And, you know, I'm glad I could be here at least for these six or seven months to help them move in that direction. Rich, let me take you in a different direction. You're doing some consulting around governance. You're active in the DEI space. You know, I do these interviews every week with association CEOs, and governance keeps coming up. How do you think of governance and how does it power or constrain an association? That's a great question. And I certainly wish I had the answer. No. Um, <laughs> Are you a governance geek too? Well, you know, I, I dabble. And really, a lot of times it comes down to, personality. And when I say that, I mean personality in terms of how does someone learn? So if I'm a member of a board, the key thing as an association exec is to find out if that person on the board has had board experience before. And if so, was it a positive experience? Ah. So a lot of times I like to say to boards, when's the last time you did an assessment? Because my recommendation is always you should be doing an annual assessment, not just of the board itself, but of each board member, so they see where they fit into the whole picture. And Rich, what do you ask on this assessment? Oh, you could ask, 
did you feel that the issues we discussed were relevant to the strategic plan? How were you personally prepared to discuss these issues? Because that can give you insight as to whether or not the person is really either reading the materials you're sending or just sort of like phoning it in, if you will. Hmm. So then what's next? I mean, I work with some associations where the chief exec and the staff have a great relationship with the board. And other times they kind of view the board as meddling or they're stressed about the new board chair. Yeah. And, you know, I've always seen it, Joanna, as kind of like, it's almost like an adventure each year because a lot of associations have a new board chair every year and you're not always sure what that person is going to be like, regardless if they're elected, are they appointed? Do they just work their way up through the board? So the adventure part is sort of doing the exploration and investigation as to what kind of person they're going to be. And then how do you take your strategic plan and all the stuff your staff is doing and make sure they understand in their language how important that is and what support is needed, right? I mean, too often somebody gets into the role of board chair and in their mind, they think of what it's supposed to be like. But it's not like that anymore, especially if you've been on the board for years and years, because the association has changed so much. And we've seen so much change, right? In even the last three or four years. So, Rich, you're active in the DEI space. What are you seeing that's working? Well, I certainly think that as we pay more attention to things relative to DEI, we will get better candidates coming forward to serve not only as association staff, but on association boards as well. I think that this awakening, if you will, over the last couple of years has been really important, but there have been a lot of good organizations working in this space for a long time. And ACA was one of them. And that's why I felt that it was such a natural progression for me to continue to become involved in work with, you know, whether we're talking about AA and HPI association execs or any groups that want to get a little more focused on what DEI can bring to the table. I can remember when it was just a nice thing to have, but now I see it as more organizations realizing it's a must thing that they need to do. And that's encouraging. Well, I certainly see a lot of boards among my clients where I think, come on, guys, it's 2023. We need a little more diversity. And I think it's there in your membership. Why aren't they moving up in the ranks? Yeah. And that's where what's really important is to look at unconscious bias because there aren't enough boards and committees and other groups within leadership and associations. And that includes staff in terms of what unconscious bias is. And unfortunately, there aren't enough trainers out there to come in and do that work. But it is really important for associations to be involved in that. And that that hits everything, whether it's, let's say you do publications, like you do referee journals, or you do awards programs. That's another one. Anything where somebody gets selected or appointed, you really need to have whoever that group is who's doing that selection or appointment to go through some unconscious bias training. It's very important. Rich, where does this training come from and who should get it? Okay, well, my professional opinion is that everybody in the association needs it. So whether you're a manager on staff or whether you are someone who is on a committee, anybody who has anything where they make choices about other people needs to understand where those biases are. And everybody has them. 
but it's being able to recognize them and then making sure you're putting that to the side when you're selecting or appointing someone for something. Rich, I know that leadership is really important to you. What's it take to be an association CEO these days? Interestingly enough, and maybe it's because I'm such an old guy, but a lot of these things haven't changed a lot. Ah. To be successful, you need to check your ego at the door when you're working with elected or appointed boards. I always say we rent space. We don't own it. We do not own these associations that we work for. We're very privileged and very fortunate to have this opportunity. But I see too many association execs coming in and feeling like, well, they know how to do it. So just stay in your lane, they'll say to the board, which, of course, boards hate hearing. Right. And not paying attention to that relationship that they need to build with their boards. Rich, do you think that having a CAE designation or a certified association executive designation is important? You know, I do, and I may be biased. I was on the CAE commission for a number of years, and I obviously have my CAE. But I do look at that when I'm reviewing resumes, and, you know, I'm in the search business now, and so I I do notice whether or not somebody has made that effort to gain the designation. And the reason why is when you're studying for the CAE, we always say, Don't look at the question as if it were your own organization. This has to be more of a general association that you're thinking about. Ah. And that's really important because that's what helps you have transferable skills, regardless of whether you're working in healthcare or construction or education. That's where you can transfer all of that knowledge. Rich, before we go, what's next for Rich Yap? Well, I know that I'm going to finish up this interim gig as the executive director and CEO at SWANA. That'll end probably in the next month or two. I am working on a search right now through Vetted, so I have that project going. And I still have a few consulting things on the side for other associations. On a personal level, I am getting ready to do a little bit of traveling because that was one of the things that I wanted to be able to do once I left ACA. And so I'm looking forward to that as well. So I have a full agenda. I can't exactly tell you what month and what particular activity, but that's okay. And that's where we need to keep ourselves open to things that come our way. Well, Rich, this has been really, really fun to connect with you on this podcast. You and I have known each other a long time. Long time. And I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. I hope you'll come back and tell us what's next for Rich Yap. I would love to do that. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, 
post a comment and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye.